<laughs> we are hope. We are love. Siotien is a family, a lovely family. We are progress. I am Siotien. I am Siotien. <laughs> I didn't say you, I said me. I am Siotien. You're listening to Beyond the Village. This podcast is produced by Children of the Nations. Shorthand for our name is Siotien. We work in Sierra Leone, Malawi, Uganda, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic because we believe true, lasting, and meaningful change to a nation begins with the children. This podcast gives them, the staff who cares for them, and the partners like you a chance to tell the real story. It's almost summer. Here at COTN, that means venture season is in full swing. Venture teams are headed to all the countries we serve, which is Sierra Leone, Malawi, Uganda, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. And these teams are doing all kinds of things, from Bible camp to medical services. Speaking of medical services, I just spent a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and Ben and Cindy Levine. They've been leading venture teams to the Dominican Republic since 2011. I love their approach to leading teams and they have some great stories. So I am going to stop talking so that you can hear them. I'm your host, Heather Ostakevich, and this, of course, is COTN's podcast, Beyond the Village. So my first question, really basic, when was your guys' first contact with COTN? Uh, that's Ben. <laughs> that's mine. Yeah, 2010, right after the earthquakes, my office manager said, hey, you should go. Uh, the earthquakes in Haiti, that is. And I said, okay, great. How do I do that? And I ended up contacting a bunch of different organizations, uh, Partners in Health, uh, Doctors Without Borders, a couple other ones, and no one had any availability. Um, and my manager's wife knew somebody, Janet Larson, who's been with COTN for a while, um, and she was leading a trip down uh, at that time and scrambling to get things together. And so I got involved with that, went down for the earthquakes and went up to, you know, we started in Barahona, then went up to Imani and then back to Barahona with some of the kids. That was our first contact. Well, that was an intense contact. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was trial by fire. It was really quite intense. So what kind of made you take the leap from doing that trip to working with COTN more? My wife had done some mission work before in Ecuador, and we had talked about it as a family, something we'd like to do. And our church offered some things, but they seemed to be only in the summer. And summers in Massachusetts are about two and a half weeks long. So we didn't want to take any of that time uh, to do that. So when I was down there, my wheels started turning and saying, hey, this would be a really neat thing to do to bring the family and some other people who maybe don't have medical backgrounds to do some things so you could have a really nice mission, uh, mixed mission trip. And so we started putting something together for, I think, February 2011. I think so. Yeah. In Massachusetts, they have two school vacations. They have one in February and one in April. We, ha- as a family, tend to go somewhere nice and foo-foo for one of those v- vacations. And so we felt like it's okay to you know, be able to do that. But then we also felt like it was something that was calling on our hearts that we wanted to then with that other week, use our talents and our gifts and do something more than just, you know, foo-foo and sit around on a beach. And And that was a lesson we were trying to teach our kids. We had decided, you know, we, we live in a very nice community. We have nice things. 
And we worked very hard for a lot of those nice things. And the message we were trying to send was it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to be successful. But if you are, um, and however you define success, you should share your talents and gifts with those who are less fortunate. And that was kind of our, our goal from a family perspective. So Ben, Cindy, and their four girls have been going to the Dominican Republic ever since. Well, I love what you said, too, about like doing it as a family, but then also a mixed missions trip where people who don't have a medical background can still go. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Is that what you've kind of stayed consistent with throughout your trips? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we our first trip that we led, and I kind of led it, which was ended up being a little bit of a disaster because I'm the dreamer and I have big picture things and I don't do the details and Cindy does details incredibly well. And so we ended, we're a good team. Yeah, <laughs> we ended up having a, a mixed trip, not enough nursing staff, not enough you know, so medical staff. So he's a staff. surgeon, I'm a nurse. Okay. Right. And, and so he forgets that when he goes to do surgery, that there's more than just him that's necessary to go do surgery. I had you, what else did I need? <laughs> so our first trip, I was the only person that knew anything about the operating room other than him. Oh. So I was like going and starting IVs. I was sterilizing instruments. I was putting trays together. I was like going and getting patients, starting IVs, then putting the room together, setting up all the instruments, helping put the patients to sleep and doing the surgeries and then washing the instruments. And then I I was like literally wearing a hundred hats. And then she did not enjoy the trip at all and said she's not going to do it again. It was worse than work. She didn't get to contact any people. She didn't, you know, it was just... I literally had zero personal relationship interaction with anybody. Oh, and Cindy was doing all this on her own for two surgeons. We've learned a lot since then. (laughs) Aside from that, we had a lot of non-medical people that came too that, you know, they loved, you know, bringing them into the operating room. You know, our daughter, Emma, Emma, we brought her in. We taught her how to scrub so that she could hold retractors. She now wants to be a surgeon. She's taken MCATs. She was applying to medical school this year. So I think it's, you know, an experience that, you know, non-medical people get to have that they would not be able to have in the United States that, you know, has shaped some lives, you know, for sure. Now, not all the non-medical team members are scrubbing in. And Ben and Cindy explained that they do other non-medical projects like putting on a quinceanera or putting together a library. But even those projects didn't go smoothly on that first trip including a disastrous sex education class. Ben and Cindy still laugh about the many ways their first trip was a mess. So, Cindy, what talked you into going back again? Um, Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, we're good at introspection. We're good at reflection. We're good at, okay, how can we do this better? I've always had a call to do things bigger than myself. I've done mission work before. I met Ben. I think that's that's always been a call in my heart, and so it was not hard for him to convince me to go back. <laughs> and, However, we we do make sure that we have things staffed a little differently when yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was much different. The next time, the first one we had eighteen people total. The next one we had forty three. The one after that, forty five, and I think this time we had forty people. And I think of one of them, we took. 17 teenagers without not including ours without their parents on one of the trips so we were like the parental unit for about 17 teenagers and it was fantastic and that's one of the best things is seeing the transformation of some of these kids and 
the number of them that have come back and done another trip, the number of them that have sponsored a child on their own, you know, work taking their work money, that that's probably my favorite part is seeing other people's lives transformed as mine was. I think uh, there was one particular kid, um, his name's Robinson, that touched, I think, our whole team's heart. He's 24 and he is a gunshot wound that was to his spine. That happened seven maybe yeah, seven, seven, seven eight months ago. It sounded like that when he was shot, a Dominican doctor took care of him initially. So the gunshot wound went through, I think, his abdomen or spine. So he ended up having some sort of a surgery then. he's He lives in um, Alta Gracia. Yeah. And he's just kind of been laying around not doing much of anything. He's paraplegic. And apparently nobody had told him that he was never going to gain the use of his legs again. In fact, two, two doctors told him he was definitely going to walk right. again. And so our eldest daughter did a trip three weeks before we came and they're going to the potatoes saw him and he has huge pressure sores um, on his legs, on his butt, on his shins because he's just laying around not doing anything. And I think they thought if he laid still and didn't do anything that maybe he would regain function. He had dead tissue. It was down to the bone in some instances the Levine's daughter, Emma, and her mom, who's a dermatologist, saw Robinson while they were working the Bates, and they did their best to clean out his wounds from infection and dead tissue, but it was clear he needed a lot more help. Emma told his story to her dad, Ben, and her stepmom, Cindy, who were headed to the Dominican Republic a few weeks after her. Okay, so here's the really cool part. Before the Levines learned about Robinson, their team included a nurse who works at a rehab facility for spinal cord injuries, exactly the kind of specialty care Robinson needed. So, of course, as soon as Ben and Cindy's team arrived, they asked to see Robinson at the clinic. They spent seven hours with him at um, at the clinic in Barahona. His colon was impacted. He had um, sores all over his body, so they debrided him. They put dressing changes on him. They did education for him about lifting himself with his wife, who's seven months pregnant. Oh. Yeah. He has a one-and-a-half-year-old son. Our other surgeon, Matt Brown, sat them down, and it brought tears to everybody's eyes, but told him he was not going to walk again. The mom almost fainted. The wife, everybody's crying because they, they didn't know that he wasn't going to walk. But I guess um, Dr. Brown was just fantastic about, you know, mm-hmm. God has you here for a reason. He didn't take you when you were shot. You still have life to live. You have a purpose. You need to be here for, you know, your wife and your children and like really did some fabulous counseling with him. Um, so like our whole team kind of rallied around him and it was very emotional for everybody because at, when we initially saw him, we kind of thought it was all palliative care that he was just going to die because his wounds are that severe. No, his so wounds then we asked, from just like laying around or like the gun. Yeah, yeah. No, from laying no, around. From laying around. Yeah. Wow. Like they're that, they're that deep. They're that infected. Um, infected. His conditions where he's living. So then our non-medical team decided that they just were workhorses. So we ended up doing a concrete floor for Robinson's house. So that way, because he's in a wheelchair and he was in a dirt floor. 
the contractor that's staying at the Casa Bethesda, they built a toilet for him because he was trying to go to the bathroom in a bucket when he's uh, paraplegic. Mm. And our team decided we are paying for them to get a bed because he's sleeping on the floor. So we saw him back on Friday, Thursday or Friday, and his wounds look much better. And his outlook and his hope, I think, seemed much better. But multiple team members were affected mentally. It's it's hard as clinicians that that's not what we're used to. You know, we're used to trying to do everything that we, you know, in our power that we can. And the resources that we have in the United States, you know, we know what we could do for him in the United States. Since coming back to the United States, the team has sent more dressings down to the Dominican, and the clinic staff has been cleaning Robinson's bed sores regularly. They're hoping his sores will heal up soon because they pose the biggest threat to his health. Despite what Dr. Brown told him, Robinson is still holding out hope that he will walk again. Meantime, Ricardo, a global volunteer in the Dominican Republic, the guy who built that special toilet for Robinson has also installed a bar above Robinson's bed so he can start pulling himself up. And once Robinson's sores heal, the COTN Dominican staff would like to connect him with some ongoing therapy so he can start moving around in his wheelchair and then help him find some skills training opportunities to bring purpose back to his day-to-day life. Robinson, his wife, and his mother say they're incredibly thankful for the care and love shown from the COTM medical teams. And now, they have one more thing to be thankful for. Robinson's wife delivered a healthy baby boy. Uh, The medical and the non-medical team for a change kind of came together to see what we could do collectively to help this family, which was nice. Yeah. There was a woman who I it was in a moped accident seven years ago, and she came in, I think, three, two trips ago, three trips ago, and her forearm was broken and, and hadn't healed. So she had like a floppy forearm, if you will. So we fixed that on that trip as best we could. And then she had a, she also had a tibia fracture, which uh, I believe Dr. Reeves or somebody else had taken care of on his previous trip. But when I was there doing a post-op check on her and recognized her and smiles all around and she was grateful and lovely. She's doing really well. He's like, you remember her? Um, we fixed her forearm. And he's like, you should go say hi to her. So I went in and, and I said, I'm, I'm Cindy. I'm Dr. Levine's wife. I helped with your, you know, your arm. And she's like, I know. I saw you this morning when you came in. <laughs> <laughs> Like she's very kind of rough and gruff and she's got all kinds of makeup. Then like she was the one that made me cry. She, you know, she was like, I pray for you and Dr. Levine. You don't know how much you've changed my life. You know, I love you. That's the best thing is that we don't always get here with medicine is the people there are so thankful and so grateful and so kind. And even when we do things, you know, that don't always work great, we go and tell them, you know, like, listen, we tried to do this and it's the best we could do. It's not perfect. And and to a person, pretty much, it's God bless you and thank you for trying, you know, whereas in the United States, it's like, I'm calling my lawyer, (laughs) right? And so that's one of those things that keeps bringing you back. It renews your purpose and reinvigorates you from sometimes what, even doing the same job I do in the United States, it's just completely different and 
you know, it keeps you from burning out. I, I think that any doctor, any nurse, a medical practitioner who's getting tired of what they're doing ought to do a, a mission trip in here. I don't know if it's the same everywhere because I've only been to the Dominican for these trips, but the people are so thankful for every little thing that it really restores your hope, your faith, your, you know, and, and it's fantastic. I, I, I love that feeling when I come back. kind of like the oddball COTN venture team like this this year our team was Massachusetts Texas Minnesota Washington, Virginia, yeah, Washington Seattle right. you know multiple people decide that like the word gets out and oh they'll take anybody so <laughs> <laughs> so we have like a you know a hodgepodge of people kind of come on our teams together so we serve those people and not everybody in our team are Christians for us I feel like sometimes that we're the face of Jesus that are showing them that this is what faith looks like this is what godly people do especially when you get down there the faith of the Dominican people is so tangible you can't help but see it and feel it and be touched by it and so I feel like for one, you know, we're serving the people that we take down there because it might be the only time that they are touched by, you know, Jesus or by faith. It's a good group that we end up bringing. And I, again, I love that impact on the, the teenagers. And, you know, for every person that we touch from here, maybe at some point again in their lives, they go on a trip or they lead a trip or they look into something and closer to home. I, I love the idea of that impact as well and again we've seen it even with the you know with some of the teenagers and their third trip you know and even even the adults not just the teenagers we've had a, a few adults you know who have now been on two or three trips with us and, and they look forward to it and knowing that we've had that impact as well is fantastic serve them, you know, as well as that when we go to the Dominican that we're serving the COTN kids as well as the people in the Batays. But even seeing the progress of the kids in the Batays, uh, it makes it an easy, uh, I don't want to say sell, but, you know, to, to encourage people to go because we look at it, you know, the old teach a man to fish versus giving him a fish. And I think COTN is doing a really good job of getting into the schools and helping the kids, therefore helping the families and the number, uh, I think they have three doctors now, a couple engineers, a bunch of teachers. Um, I, I think to be able to see the success and a few nurses, and I have a bunch of people wanting to go into nursing now, yeah. whether that's because they've seen the nurses in the clinic or whatever it is, just to see these people uh, progress and, and get out of the situation they're in. I mean, what could be better than that? And, and, you know, if some of them end up coming back and giving back to the community and helping becoming teachers in their schools or a doctor at the clinic or whatever it is, I, I don't know how else you could define success in, in the overall mission of COTN. And to see that and to hear the stories, you know, it, it gives you faith that you're, what you're contributing, your time, your money, your skills, your heart are not just beating somebody for that day. 
you know, that it's it's going to be a lifelong impact for some, for, and not everybody, but for, for some kids it will, and that's that's enough for me. Just imagine that anywhere where you have people living in poverty, the access to medicine is, is almost zero. Even if you're not necessarily an expert, just giving your time and letting someone else know that you that there's someone out there who cares about them and that's willing to come. I think that that's valuable as well. I think for Robinson, it was tremendous to have people come and care for him and be honest with him and and, and help him. And I, you know, I, I can't speak enough to again to not what I've done for for everybody else, but what it's done for me. And I think you know anybody who's struggling with their day-to-day job in medicine, I, I think a week. You know, it doesn't have to be every year, but a week every once in a while or two weeks every once in a while will change their outlook on a lot of things. Sometimes that we forget that God's bigger than us and that if you just take a leap of faith that he puts people where they need to be. And we have the gifts and the talents, you know, so if you're a professional of, of any sort, but if you're speaking specifically to medical people, Robison's a perfect example of um, who would have thought that we had a surgeon who was gifted in yeah, soft, soft tissue, um, a, a nurse who has you know years and years of experience in wound care, another nurse who had experience in spinal cord injuries, and all of them came together to help this one particular person in this one particular family. I wouldn't have had that experience. Ben wouldn't have had that, you know, that experience as a clinician. But, you know, those people just happened to be on our team, just happened to be there, and Robin just just happened to need that help. I think that's divine intervention. Right. And we had no idea when we, these people, when they signed up, we didn't know anything about Robinson until three weeks before we went. So it's not like we went actively looking for these people. They, God placed them in our lap. So my word of advice is, you know, if you hear that knock on the door of your heart, is just take a leap of faith and let God do the rest. I want to thank Ben and Cindy for spending their Saturday morning sharing their stories and their heart. If you feel the knock on your heart, like Cindy says, then I challenge you to take the next step and go to cotni.org forward slash adventure. You'll find all kinds of information from team projects to frequently asked questions, a list of scheduled trips, and if you're feeling extra adventurous, how to lead your own trip. You'll also find a video called Experience the Venture Trip of a Lifetime on this page, and I highly recommend you watch it. It will give you a real flavor for what it means to go on a venture trip. Before we end, I want to say thank you to our amazing volunteer sound engineer, Udit Kumar, and thank you for listening. Until next time.